You are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of an educational grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guest is Dr. Tamara Maiguri. Tamara works as a research associate in Dr. Ray Truant's lab at McMaster University in Hamilton, Canada, where her research is focused on the role of the Huntington protein in DNA repair. Tamara is also an active member of the HD community who regularly participates in fundraisers, education events, and knowledge translation through hdbuzz.net. Um, and today we are going to be talking about um, treatments for HD. This is the last show in our HD Mythbusters series. So we're going to be discussing treatments for HD as there seems to be a lot of confusion about what's out there, what some of the terms mean. Um, before we get started, I want to let everyone know that one of the best places to go for information on HD research about treatment um, and everything that's going on in regards to research for HD is HD Buzz. Um, most everybody in the Huntington's community knows HD Buzz. Most people know Dr. Jeff Carroll and Dr. Ed Wild, um, who began HD Buzz as a way to kind of break down the the medical science researchy side of HD research in a way that anyone in the Huntington's community could understand it. Um, it's an absolutely wonderful resource, um, so please make sure to take advantage of it. Uh, you can go and check, you know, regularly. They have a Twitter account. Um, they also do a, a monthly newsletter, a newsletter with updates, and this is also where um, where researchers like Tamara go to. Um, to translate. So, um, again, just an amazing, amazing, amazing resource. Uh, make sure to check it out. So thank you so much for joining me today, Tamara. Thanks for having me. So in reading your, in reading your bio, um, you participate in fundraisers and educational events. Uh, what type of educational events do you talk to, like medical students, or you do um, what other type of events? Uh, so it's mostly um, the kind of thing that we're doing right now, actually, um, talking to families who are affected by HD. Um, I live in Niagara Falls, Canada, and so most of these things happen, you know, in our local and, and surrounding area Um through chapters of the Huntington Society of Canada. Um, a lot of these events are organized, and, and I'll go and, you know, break down whatever it is that they want to talk about. Usually it, it has to do with what possible treatments are coming down the research pipeline, much like what we'll talk about today. Awesome. And one of the questions I love to ask any professional who comes on to the show is, why Huntington's? Why did you get involved with Huntington's? 
that's easy. Um, it's uh, because I'm actually from an HD family like you. Um, my mom has HD, and uh, I actually did my training uh, in graduate school. I was working in cancer research, but um, we knew that HD ran in our family, that my grandfather died of it. Um, but my mom was in her early 50s, and she wasn't showing any signs, so we didn't think that she had inherited the gene. Um, but basically, at the end of my graduate studies, I, we learned that she, she tested positive. So I switched fields and went to work in Ray Truant's lab, and I've been working there for uh, about 10 years now. That's amazing. Um, so it, it's a personal passion on top of being professional for you. Absolutely. <laughs> That's kind of why I'm involved in all of the fundraiser, fundraisers and everything, too. Um, you know, you, as many people uh, in this awesome community can um, attest to, you know, when you feel like you're doing something, um, it's a lot easier to deal with the awful aspect <laughs> of the disease. Absolutely. I totally get that. I mean, I personally have done the same thing, gotten really involved and, um, you know, now my, my way of coping, especially with having younger kids and not being able to do fundraisers at the moment is this podcast and I absolutely love it. And, um, it's, it's been a lifesaver for me. So I totally understand. So let's jump into the questions. Um, so let's start with a big one. Um, is there any treatment for HD currently? So, um, so okay, so there are definitely, you know, medicines and things that people can do that will help uh, people manage their symptoms, um, and, and that's a really important part of improving quality of life. Um, but there's currently no um, what they call like a disease-modifying treatment, which means that there's no drug right now that would help slow down the disease or, or make it go away. Um, so that's really the goal of researchers right now. Um, but like I said, as far as improving quality of life of patients, there are quite a few options to help with things like depression or the uncontrolled movements. Um, but there's nothing that is currently stopping you know, the, the progression of what's happening in the brain. What about over-the-counter supplements like CoQ10 and uh, creatine? I know they did studies on those. Um, would those be considered good treatments for HD? So, unfortunately not. Um, you know, we were, everybody was really excited about CoQ10 and creatine because, um, the way, because of the way that they were supposed to work and the way that they actually did work in mouse studies and whatnot. Um, and because these drugs, um, they basically like give, they help mitochondria function, right? Those are the energy producers of our cells and, and these drugs boost mitochondrial function. And we know that there are problems with mitochondria and energy balance in the brain cells of HD patients. But um, unfortunately, those two drugs didn't help HD patients. And we know this. Uh, for sure, because there were large, well-designed and well-run clinical trials that, you know, definitively showed that 
there was no benefit to HD patients. Um, and so, of course, this was, you know, really disappointing, but um, at least we, we know now, so researchers can focus their efforts on other drugs and other um, approaches. Let's talk about exercise for a second. Um, exercise seems to be a really big topic um, right now in the Huntington's community um, and has been. I mean, they've, they've been doing studies on it. But does exercise help progression or symptoms of HD? Okay, so, um, yeah, so the key distinction there is the progression or the symptoms. So um, kind of like what we were talking about earlier as to whether there's an actual treatment, um, there are things that you can do to help symptoms. Um, right now we don't know of anything that will actually stop the progression of disease. So um, exercise uh, for sure can help with symptoms of HD. Um, you know, regular exercise is good for everyone. Uh, you know, keeping your heart healthy and even specifically for HD, there are specific exercises that can help with the some of the movement problems in HD. Um, but um, as I know, I think that there are some large studies uh, ongoing to see whether exercise could in fact slow the progression of disease. To my knowledge, they haven't been completed yet, so we don't know the definitive answer. Um, but, you know, uh, when it comes to exercise, like I would put my money on the benefits <laughs> of staying fit. Um, like I would say, you know, um, while we don't know for sure whether it would actually stop the progression of what's happening in the brain, um, I'm sure that the benefits of staying fit and healthy um, are going to help improve the quality of life for HD patients for sure. Right, and that's something that we would see in in really any disease. Uh, the healthier that you are, the you know when you exercise regularly and um, keep stress level down and things like that, it's definitely shown to help in every every disease to um, absolutely to, absolutely you know to make it easier to deal with. For sure, for sure. What about diet? That's one of the things that I recently talked to another researcher about. It was about the gut and HD and how um, mm. how diet might affect things. Right. So, um, so I'm no expert in the diet department, but I I would basically say it, it runs along the same lines as what we know about exercise, which is to say that um, I'm not aware of any um, large scale studies that have shown definitively that a good diet would um, slow the progression of disease. But again, I would put my money on um, the benefits of having a healthy diet, you know, um, uh, eating a wide variety of foods and mostly plants and the, the general guidelines that, that um, we know we're supposed to do. Um, and, and again, there are specific things about diet that can help with symptoms of HD too. So, you know, a lot of HD patients um, lose a lot of weight, and so their diet can help um, help with that. Eating a lot of healthy fats and making sure you get lots of calories, again from healthy food, not like Big Macs or whatever. Um, but yeah, so no I, I ice cream every single day. <laughs> 
ice cream every day, it should be uh, <laughs> should be part of a healthy diet. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so there's a lot of things in clinical trials right now, and um, you went into the symptomatic versus treating the disease, and, and I like the word that you use, disease-modifying. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what is currently in clinical trials. Let me start off with, okay, um, is everything in clinical trials gene therapy? No, <laughs> no. So um, the, okay. So to talk, to kind of like clarify the whole gene therapy thing, gene therapy technically is anything that changes your DNA. So um, like changes the genetic material of a person. Um, so obviously we know that the, we know the exact cause of the Huntington gene. We know that it's an, uh, of, sorry, of Huntington's disease. It's the expansion in the Huntington gene, right? So those extra CAG repeats. So in an ideal world, um, if we could just go in there and cut out those extra CAG repeats, you know, with gene therapy by modifying the DNA, um, that would be an, a, definitely a disease-modifying treatment. Um, it's just not possible to do that right now. So the reason I bring that up is because I know there's a lot of hype about things like um, CRISPR technology and gene editing. And I just want to make it perfectly clear that while those technologies are super awesome and we use them in the lab all the time to um, gene edit, you know, cells growing in a dish or mice to do experiments. Um, it's just not possible to do that in the brain of a person right now and um, probably won't be <laughs> for quite some time. Now, having said that, um, we can't just edit out those extra CAG repeats in the Huntington gene, but there is one gene therapy approach that is happening right now. And it's, it's technically a gene therapy approach because it's actually um, modifying the genetic material. But what it's doing is it's actually introducing um, like a small bit of genetic material that basically like interferes with the production of the Huntington protein, which is really the, the, toxic thing that causes brain cells to die. And so, um, you know, you were asking about um, there are a lot of clinical trials going on and which ones, uh, are they all gene therapy? Um, they're not all gene therapy. Some of the clinical trials going on are using the same strategy, try to get rid of that toxic Huntington protein. But they're not doing it by modifying a person's genetic material. So that's the distinction. Um, I hope I answered the, the question. You, um, you did. Okay. So, <laughs> so not everything is gene therapy in clinical trials, um, but there are other things going on in clinical trials that are disease-modifying. So what would those things yes. be? Right. So the, the most advanced things that are in clinical trials right now um, that are disease modifying are strategies to reduce the amount of Huntington protein. And these are um, mostly, well, I don't know, 
don't know how far the how far down the technical rabbit hole to go, but basically, um, if people have ever heard about um, RNA interference or ASOs, these are the types of drugs that interfere um, with the the RNA stage of producing that toxic Huntington protein. Now, the difference between the the gene therapy approach, which is being done by a company called Unicure, and all the other Huntington-lowering approaches, which are being done by like Roche and um, Wave, um, the difference between those two is that the Unicure gene therapy approach is like I said, actually um, putting a drug in there that's going to modify a person's DNA, and that means it's in there for good. Um, it can't be turned off. Once it's there, it's there. The, the other approaches, which, you know, there's a few different ways that they're going about it, but the end product is to lower those Huntington protein levels. Those are more um, uh, less permanent. They're more transient. So, you would have to, you know, go back for several um, doses over the course of your life. And there, those, uh, the, the one that's kind of furthest along in the trials is the Roche trial. And they already, you know, showed that so far it has been safe in people. And they even showed that so far they've been able to um, measure in the spinal fluid of people that, the Huntington protein is in fact being reduced. And so now we're waiting. We're waiting to see if there's going to be a difference in how people progress through their disease. Is it actually slowed down? And so everyone is waiting with fingers crossed. Um, so, but yeah, even if that one, you know, isn't um, the perfect drug, there are a bunch of other um, strategies coming down the line too such as like stem cells. And I, I know there's like just a ton of things, which we're very lucky in the Huntington's community that we now have so many clinical trials going on with so many different ways. Um, I think that's just awesome. Oh my gosh. I agree. And you know what? I always really try to emphasize this point. It is a testament to the HD community because these things can't happen without people showing up, people taking part in clinical trials, people driving their loved ones to take, care, uh, to take part in these clinical trials, um, you know, people doing these amazing fundraisers to fund the research. Um, the HD community is, uh, you know, we, like, I hate to say like that there's something good about HD because there's not a lot good about HD. But the one thing that's really good is that there's one gene that causes this disease. And so it, we have something that, you know, the Alzheimer's community doesn't have, the Parkinson's community doesn't have. Um, we have this one target that we're looking for, and we have this um, shared, you know, families all experiencing this together, and it really brings people together, and that moves things forward. Um, so, yes, to answer your question about, you know, what else is being studied, there's lots of things being studied. They're all kind of at different stages of the, you know, the research pipeline. Um, and so there are some drugs being developed to try to, um, you know, reduce neuroinflammation 
which is known to be a problem in HD. The other really exciting thing is um, one of the thing one of the hugest studies to come out in the last few years is uh, basically a study that looked at all of the other genes besides we know the the Huntington gene causes HD if it's expanded, but there's quite a bit of variability in people, right? So we know that the longer um, the, that CAG, the more repeats you have in general, the earlier you'll get sick, right? But there's a huge amount of variability between, like, from person to person. So, for example, my mom has 42 CAG repeats, and she didn't get symptoms until her mid-50s. Whereas somebody else with 42 repeats could get sick, you know, in their early 30s. And so what the study was asking was, like, what's the difference between these people in all their other genes in their body? Because maybe there's some other thing that we can target that will cause people to get sick 20 years later. That would be nice. Um, mm -hmm. And they found some. So um, these, these genes mostly have to do with DNA repair. And so there are companies now that are, um, you know, looking into targeting uh, these genetic modifiers, as they're called. That's awesome. And, I, and I'm really yeah. excited about all of that, too, to find out those genetic modifiers. Uh, I think it's very interesting research. Um, and I love your point about, um, so my dad's CAG was 42 as well. And, um, oh, no way. Yeah, so it, it's interesting to, like you said, one person can develop it later, one person earlier. Um, so, yeah, knowing knowing those things, just it's going to be so good um, to to really know it and see that research, and I'm I'm very excited about it. I am too. <laughs> so going away from the actual um, treating the disease and looking more at the symptomatic mm -hmm. treatment, what symptoms can be treated in Huntington's? Okay. So, um, so yeah, this is where my lack of uh, clinical expertise is going to fail me a bit. Um, I'm not entirely sure of, you know, all of the symptoms that can be treated, but um, I do know that some of the psychiatric symptoms can certainly be treated, um, you know, depression and, um, and, and these kinds of things. Um, for sure, motor problems can be treated with not only with drugs, but other ways like physical therapy and um, speech problems and, and trouble with swallowing and these types of things can be helped with speech therapy. I know that that helps my mom a lot. Um, so I would um, direct the listeners to you know, talk to their doctors about what um, what other symptoms can be treated with HD because the MDs are are the real experts there. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, and um, and also realize that each person is is very different in how they deal with the disease and where we see behavioral symptoms. You know, a decade before, um, mm -hmm. you know, if you're very aware of what's going on with you your behavioral treatment may be different than somebody else's. So it's really good to get, um, to get your neurologist uh, involved, see a neuropsych, see if you have cognitive symptoms and get a baseline. Um, 
and also, um, you know, talk to them about, you know, things like uh, um, word finding <laughs> would be an example of, of a symptom and um, and if there's anything to help with that or if there are exercises, brain games is one of the things that I do. You know, I've got an app on my phone and um, constantly trying to do um, games to keep everything firing is a big thing for me. So definitely I think that's really good advice. Talk to your neurologist and see, one, if there are medications, but other things such as mm-hmm. speech therapy, physical therapy, I, I can say for dad was um, huge uh, in in making sure that he, you know, went almost 12 years uh, with, with walking and, um, you know, he had physical therapy early on. And, um, and so it really, really helped him to stay uh, pretty active until the last year of his life. So, um, mm-hmm. all good things to do. Absolutely. So, Tamara, before I let you go, did you have any additional information or thoughts that you would want to share? Um, I mean, um, I think your your questions covered everything that I can think of about in terms of treatment and whatnot. Um, but I just wanted to thank you for uh, providing this awesome resource for people, um, you know, the, we did a really fun um, session at the HDSA, um, the virtual convention that had to happen because of COVID, <laughs> uh, where we did like a trivia. Um, it was myself and Dr. Sarah Hernandez and Dr. Lauren Byrne, and we um, made this really fun game where people from home could go on their phones and tune in and like answer the trivia questions. And um it was so amazing how well-informed all these people were. And I think that that is because of your, you know, programs like this um, that just provide the information and, and get, um, get the, the proper information out there for people to, to learn. And, and, you know, this stuff makes a difference. The more you know, the more options that you have to deal with this. So thank you for providing such a nice resource. Absolutely. And thank you for breaking it down for us. And for those of us who uh, have a harder time with the, the research terms and the scientific terms, um, you know, it's really helpful to have somebody who's a professional who can come on and explain it so well. Um, and that's one of the reasons I, I love you guys is just because it seems that um, you, you're just really good at doing it uh, where, you know, Sometimes if you talk to, well, especially a pharmaceutical company or, or something else, they're not as good at, about breaking it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, thank you again for coming on. I want to thank everybody for listening in today and um, listening into our HD Mythbusters series. This was um, a very personal project for me, um, you know, just dealing with all kinds of misconceptions that I was seeing um, surrounding, you know, CAG account and passing on Huntington's. And um, so I really, really enjoyed this planning, this HD Mythbuster series. Um, And it looks like we're going to be carrying that over into our hype sessions, our virtual hype sessions that we are going to be having this year. 
Um, so I'm very excited to hear that, that we're going to continue on this HD Mythbusters theme. So if there's something specific that you've got a question on or that you've seen a misconception or misinformation about, certainly let us know. Question ready for our hype series when we do our virtual hype event in March. Um, and, you know, you can submit those to Katie Jackson, Katrina, Hamill, um, you're welcome to shoot me an email or send me something on Messenger. I'll get it to them uh, for the event. But um, thank you once again for listening in. Hope everybody just hangs in there and um, and that you have a great week. And um, also, just want to shout out to everybody. Thank you for your support um, in Dad's passing. And I've just been just so overwhelmed with the love and support in the Huntington's community and um, so I really wanted to just acknowledge all of you and let you know that I appreciate um, every one of you being there and being part of his journey so you guys take care sending you lots of love and have a great week take care Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.